some milestones to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Chris, you had some of these. De'Aaron Fox. Yes. Uh, so for the rest of this way, this is uh, from an article from NBA.com. They just have uh, milestones to watch down the remaining the remaining stretch of the season. Of course, uh, LeBron James on his quest for the only player to ever score 40,000 points is on here. Um, there's a little nugget about Chris Paul uh, moving to number two in assists. He's really close. He is uh, 361 assists away from Jason Kidd at number two. That'll be an interesting thing to watch. KD uh, closing in on Shaq and Carmelo in terms of points. All that stuff is fine and dandy. Um, but from the Sacramento Kings perspective, the thing that they have the milestone to watch is De'Aaron Fox continually rising up the ranks of franchise history. He is 638 points away from surpassing Sam Lacey uh, for number five in scoring. Along the way, De'Aaron is currently uh, eighth right now. He will pass, uh, almost certainly pass Peja, who has 9,498 points, and Demarcus, who has 9,894 points along the way. Uh, That, for you math wizards out there, is, yes, around 24 points per game is what De'Aaron would need to average the rest of this way. 24.5 points per game is what De'Aaron would need to average over the remaining 26 games for him to move to number five. Uh, On top of that, De'Aaron is only 94 assists away from moving up to number four in the assist category, passing Reggie Theus, and that's only uh, just over three and a half assists per game for De'Aaron. So almost certainly going to move into number four all-time for Kings assists and more than likely but not guaranteed to move into the top five all-time scorers in uh, in franchise history. I believe that includes uh, Oscar Robertson and uh, all those other folks from Rochester and and all those fun times out there. So wow. um, those are the De'Aaron specific numbers. And then there are some triple-double numbers just to kind of watch out for. Of course, Sabonis is, is a part of that conversation as well. Yeah, Sabonis, 11th all-time in career triple-doubles, which is crazy. Insane I mean, realistically, about. based on what he's been doing, it, it's, it's a little bit – there are a good bit left. You figure, what, they're at – 26 games now 26 games left. 26 yep. games left and that this is for career anyway yeah not not season but 26 games left Larry Bird had 59 triple doubles DeMontis Sabonis is at 52 so Larry Bird is 10th on the list DeMontis Sabonis is at 11th Luca is already at that's ninth right. that's right with 66 you have James Harden with 75 he's at eight Russell Westbrook no surprise is at yeah. number one with 198. Oscar Robinson, number two at 181. Magic Johnson, number three, 138. Jokic, 123 at number four. LeBron James, 110 <laughs> at number five. Jason Kidd, number six. And this this is a big difference, right? So Will Chamberlain had 78 at number seven. Jason Kidd at number six at 107. Yeah. So that's the big gap. Yeah. So basically be tough for Sabonis to bridge that gap to, to, to break the top six, but it's possible. He's at 52. Now it's possible passing. Wilt's a pretty good thing to, to have on your resume, right? Cause that would make you, that would make you top seven. Yep. So keep an eye on that as well. And you have guys like, you know, crazy enough, you know, who's tied 
for 14 and the game has changed, I guess you could say, but you will never guess. And, and I mean, never. Yeah. He is a current player. Okay. You will never guess who is tied with Bob Cousy at number 14. If Sabonis is 11, who would be the player that's directly behind him? You said Harden, Westbrook, LeBron. I've already and said Luca are ahead and Jokic are yes, ahead. Yes. Um and Gian- Giannis is at Giannis, 13. Giannis, Giannis was going to be 13. my guess. Okay. Um I mean you'll never guess this. Is this is an active player? It's an active player who has the 14th most triple doubles of all time. Right behind Giannis. Yes. Active players. Giannis has 42, this person has 33. I was going to say like Rajon Rondo, but he's not Rondo is 16. So this guy's in between those two. Rondo has one less than this guy. Who has had this many triple doubles? Wow. <laughs> you're going to crack up. Uh, I can't. I, I know, and I'm trying to factor in the way you're talking about this person into my ah, – who would it be an active player who's had tons of triple doubles, but you wouldn't expect them to have tons of triple doubles – you want a hint? And uh, yeah, give me a hint. My what? back. That's a good hint. When I said, when my, you asked me, oh my, when you asked God, me, does I think he, I have an idea. Who is it? Is this Draymond Green? No. <laughs> oh, it's not Draymond. Really? Draymond. Draymond is actually wow. number seventeen. When you asked me, does he still play? I said yes. I should have said kind of. Kind of. That should give it away. My back, kind of. and my I, back? I kind of play sometimes. Oh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. There you go. Wow. Ben Simmons is 14th all-time in triple-doubles. And now all of a sudden, triple-doubles don't don't feel as impressive. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. all of a sudden. Sabonis, get to the top 10 so we can That's be crazy. far away from Ben Simmons. Rajon Rondo at 16. Wow. Draymond Green at 17. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, sh- wow. Uh, I was going to shout out both Draymond and, and Ben Simmons, but let's not do that. Um, I do have some triple-double numbers here while we're on the topic. Uh, you mentioned Russ being only two away. He is at 198 right now. Uh, he is two away from 200 triple-doubles, which would, uh, of course, add to his his uh, number one total. Per Stat Muse, Russell Westbrook, has, uh, his 200 triple-doubles would be more than uh, all but four NBA teams have in their entire history. Do you mm. want to take a stab at uh, any of the four teams who have less triple doubles than Russell Westbrook? Less triple doubles than Russell Westbrook. Yes. I'm sorry, that have uh, more triple doubles than Russell Westbrook. More? I'm sorry, yes. Because uh, well, there's there will only be four teams who have had uh, 200 or more triple doubles. Four teams that have more. Well, they yes, have yes, to have I'm players. Sorry. That is correct. So yeah. I would say the Nuggets... The Nuggets are just on the outside looking in. They have 197 triple doubles. Okay. All righty. <laughs> Two of these it's teams are be obvious. The Lakers. Two of yes. Lakers. Lakers are number one with 313 triple doubles as a team. Uh, there are two teams on here, like I said, that are very pretty fairly obvious, mm. and what, two teams Celtics? that you would probably I was never say guess. Philly. Lakers and Celtics are the uh, Lakers, are the two. Celtics, Celtics the have 213. Ones. There are two teams remaining that have more triple doubles than any other 
uh, franchise in in history and uh, will be the only teams that have more triple doubles than Russell Westbrook individually. Hmm. These are two really, really tough ones. Well, if they're that tough, what, the Magic? Uh, not the Magic, but you're, you're, you're the Bucks, thinking right. The Bucks because of Giannis? Bucks? Uh, nope. Bucks have 94. The Heat? The Heat do not. The Heat are not featured on this list. Who is it? It is. The two teams that have over 200 triple-doubles are the Oklahoma City Thunder slash Seattle Supersonics for sure. Right. The other one with 303 triple-doubles as a franchise is your Sacramento Kings. Wow. 303 triple-doubles. Shout out Oscar Robertson. There okay. you go. Who has okay. uh, a large majority? Oscar, for what it's worth, has 181 triple doubles in his career. Uh, I'm not sure how many of those happened in Sacramento and how many were in Milwaukee. See, I didn't say the Oklahoma City Thunder because I didn't yeah. know because it's Russell played unfair. on that team. Right. Oh, I didn't even think about <laughs> so that. So that's he why I thought contributed. It yes. That. Oh, interesting. So that, I didn't. I didn't think there that would go. count it. Yeah. No, it all well, counts. There you go. Well, shout out the it Kings for being on that list yep. as well. From the 916 on the. Folsom Lake Honda hotline and text line. By the way, coming up in an hour, a little less than an hour, we will give away tickets to see the Jacksons and Sister Sledge at Thunder Valley Casino. That is at 1 p.m. You don't want to miss that. Simone will be picking the number, and you have your chance to win tickets. This is from the 916. A ticked-off De'Aaron is is an unstoppable De'Aaron. Can the Kings hire someone to sit behind the bench and tick De'Aaron off just so he can always <laughs> be upset. or something, yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the only thing De'Aaron gets mad at is fouls. Mm-hmm. And so you have to talk trash to him about how he's fouling too much or how, yeah. oh, stop complaining, he didn't touch you. Yeah. It's the only way to really get De'Aaron uh, riled up. He doesn't care if you trash talk him. He doesn't care you say, oh, y'all are trash. Mm-hmm. None of that. It's if you say something about a foul and he disagrees with you, that puts him on level 10. And you saw it last night. He felt like James Harden shouldn't have got mm-hmm. that whistle. Yeah. Sent him to 10 instantly and got a tech for it was kind of soft. Right. You know. Right. But that's that is that is the version of the Kings that you want to see at this point in the season. Yes. Right. Oh, the, absolutely. I, I you can't play like that or you can't play at that intensity for 82 games. Right. And I think that's one thing when you compare high school and other levels and you say, hey, you can't, it's not a matter of turning it on or not. But there is a level of this is a marathon, not a sprint. We can't play. And there is a difference between regular season and postseason basketball. We cannot expect the Kings to play like that every single game for 82 games. And they didn't. But now that we're at 26, you're going to have to play like that for about – you can play like that for 20. And hopefully you win – 17 of those 20, and then six, fine. Six, you're just not going to have it. But this is why, okay, fine. If you're going to trick off games earlier in the season, okay, but now it's money time. Now you have – and all the all the teams down there, yep. they all did it. Yep. That's why yep. they're all Phoenix now. Phoenix did it too. Phoenix yep. did it too. Missed one too many games. Now yep. they're now they're fighting to 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 keep their heads above water, and they understand it. You yep. understand what what the job is. That's why people say, "Oh, I like going back to the Super Bowl." Okay, N- Mahomes knows what he has to do. Yep. The Kings now know what they have to do. Yep. You got to win games. Yep. You yep. cannot have any days off. Yep. 
any. And to your point, too, they experienced this last year. They have experience doing just this, and, and that's what – uh, hopefully they can they can continue to ride it. But right now they are on the same exact trajectory as they were last year. Last year was after that that crazy double overtime game. You had Malik Monk in the press conference saying, "Hey, I don't really think about the guys over there. We're here too. They got to think about us." And again, it felt like after last night, there's a bit of swagger and a bit of confidence that this team is gaining, and that's why tonight's so important. You got to keep those good feelings feeling good and. Uh, it can it can all turn really quick, like we said. I mean, if they, if they come out flat, if they don't get the win tonight, feels like all the momentum you've built is just kind of going to go flush down the toilet, and you're going to have to build it back up. And that's really really hard against quality opponents. Just take care of business tonight. Keep the good feelings feeling good. Go into Denver. Do what you can, man. That that's that's should be the the main focus right now is just setting yourself up as good as possible for the next game and uh, taking care of business tonight. Pocket watching is coming up next when we return. We discuss who's playing tonight. If you are a Kings fan, who you want to win, who you want to lose, and where the Kings fall right now in the standings, depending on what they do. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Got a little bit of help last night from your boy in Indy as the Pacers beat the Mavs. Halliburton, can you say thank you? Tyrese. No, I can't. No, I can't. Thanks for asking. I figured I would it. give it. Not going to be able to do it. I will give it a try as we them, start our pocket watching segment. We are going to break down all the movement in the seating and who you need to root for tonight. The Suns beat the Lakers. Bull Bull has entered the rotation just randomly all Super of a sudden. Randomly. Now he's getting now he's getting minutes, and he is a specimen. Yeah. When you see him out there. Played really well the other night. I think he had 25 or something mm-hmm. like that the other day. Um yeah, he's he's he is something. He's really something to watch. I, I don't know if it's kind of depends on the night you see him, whether it's gonna be good or bad, but he's definitely intriguing and uh We'll see if it works. That's, yeah. that's what I'll say. We'll see if it works. We will see if it works, but they're trying to make it work for now. Pretty quiet today. Only a four-game slate yeah. as far as pocket watching is concerned. There's really no Western Conference action besides, obviously, the Kings and the the Grizzlies taking on the, the Nets as the Nets head to Memphis. So as the Kings sit in the five seed, they do control a lot of – their destiny and you want to hope that they take advantage of it the kings are the only western conference playoff team in action tonight they can move to a half game ahead of phoenix and new orleans if they win and then i would assume obviously those teams will play tomorrow looking at tomorrow's slate you have the warriors heading to washington D.C. to take on the Wizards. You would assume they take care of business there. The Mavericks at Cavs. Let's go. Your other other boy, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, help us out here. Kind of a tough slate for the pocket watching. Mavs have to go to Cleveland. The Pelicans have to go to New York to take Mm. on the Knickerbockers. And that's basically it. Right. That's basically it in terms of tough matchups. Ooh, Miami's gonna Miami's on the first night of a back to back tonight. They play tomorrow in Portland. There you go. That's interesting enough. Yeah, so we'll see who they have 
tomorrow night, but we really don't care. Nope. We know who they do not have tonight, so the Kings have an opportunity to get a half game ahead of Phoenix and New Orleans. And Phoenix, man, it really just feels like whenever I turn on, whenever I turn on, and we talked about the strength of schedule, whenever I turn on the TV and the Suns are playing, it's not an easy game. No, never. I mean, it's it's always really, really close, and uh, it, it more times than not comes down to Devin Booker and KD pretty much winning it for them. Uh, and Grayson Allen's been good for him for sure this year as well. Um, but more times than not, it it comes down to the stretch and KD and Book just hitting tough shots. And uh, it's it's a it's a good formula for regular season when it's beating you know the Lakers and and you know okay to bad teams, but. I just don't think it's going to – this formula is not going to last long in the playoffs. And uh, the fact that they just they, – they have not gotten many games even still out of Bradley Beal, Booker, and KD on the floor at the same time, I just have a tough time seeing this thing coming together. I mean, this was the conversation with Phoenix literally at this point last year too. It was, okay, they have their team. Now imagine what it's going to be like when KD's healthy and he joins. And what ended up happening is KD – never got healthy and the team in general never got healthy and it wasn't good enough to win. They were a good team, but when they went up against an eventual champion in the nuggets, there was levels to it. And uh, I still feel like that's going to be the case with Phoenix. I just, I, I just, maybe it's because the Kings have played them really well, but Mm -hmm. they just don't really put the, uh, the necessary fear that I thought they would have had this year. And you you said it perfectly earlier. They're in the same position as the Kings and they've earned it too. Mm -hmm. Like we can't, we we think that the Kings are the only team out here tricking off games and not living up to expectations. Phoenix has just as much, if not more expectation on them and uh, hasn't lived up to really any of it all year. No. And they're doing this to be honest. I know Bradley Beal, he might be a little, I, I, I might be selling him a little bit short, but what they've got from and what they have been able to work with with Grayson Allen, he hit six threes yeah. again yeah. yesterday. You got to think that's some found money with Grayson Allen, yeah. and obviously he could always shoot even going back to Duke. But I don't, I don't think the Suns were expecting to get this out of Grayson Allen, no. who who obviously came over to to Phoenix. So they've even underperformed with some found money, <laughs> and they're still in a position to to get in, but. Yeah, uh, we did pretenders and contenders last week. I I still don't know where to put the Suns, and the Kings have them one more time, I believe. Yes, yes, they do. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to see them anymore. Right. But yeah, they are, they are what you would call to me. If somebody's going to say Sabonis is empty calories, I think the Suns are more so empty calories than anything else. It's fun basketball when one of them is going. But I don't think it's sustainable at all. No, yeah, I, I definitely don't either. And I think it's it's they're a fun team to watch for sure. Again, Devin Booker and KD down the stretch is is a marvel to watch. We saw it firsthand. Devin Booker hit some crazy shots down the stretch. But mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it's a it's a team game. Five people on the court for a reason. And uh, you know when you're out here playing Shemezi Metu, not that they've done that in a while, but, you know, when you're playing bull, 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 really. I mean, the fact that they're this, this late in the season and seeing and saying, hey, can can bull, bull give us anything? I think that's really telling that that team has no depth at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they haven't really bought in on the defensive end like as a Frank Vogel staple. I, I'm not really afraid of them. I think in the playoffs the Kings would, would actually fare really well against them, of course, 
that's not even really a possible matchup right now. But I, I think that Phoenix is, you know, they they just aren't the team that I think everyone expected. Four or five is the is the only we'll see only I thing. Mean, even then, if Booker gets da- goes down, if KD goes down. They're my first choice to maybe slip into that nine or ten spot, and maybe yeah. the Lakers or the or the Warriors can move up uh, ahead of them. But I I just have been left very unimpressed uh, with Phoenix this year, and and frankly, I I really thought that they were going to be the team that had the easiest time. I mm-hmm. I I believed that they were going to roll through the regular season. I thought they they would find their toughest times in the postseason, but. They just haven't haven't looked good at all this year. Yeah, Wednesday you have, as we talk about the four seed and whether or not it's possible for the Kings to get there. Obviously, we understand they have to take care of business. But this is what's upcoming for the Clippers, Chris. You, you host the Lakers. Host is in air quotes. <laughs> you host the Wizards, so you think you're definitely going to get that Wizards game. Then after that, the Clippers have to go to Minnesota – and then they have to mm. go to Milwaukee Yeah. after that. Then they get a little bit of a break. They head to Houston, and then they host the Bulls. <laughs> then they play right the— Right back to it, then right? We, oddly enough— what a weird schedule this they is. They play the Bucks. They host the Bucks, and then they host the T-Wolves. So that's pretty random. And that first time when they're on the road, that is a road back-to-back. So Sunday, they are at the T-Wolves. They're wow. in Minnesota— and then Monday they're in Milwaukee. That is that's incredibly tough. And then I'm looking at it the next weekend that the Bulls Bucks is also a back to back, and then they play on, on the Tuesday yeah. as well. So they're going to be playing three games in four nights. Look out, man! I think the Clippers are definitely. You might have just seen the beginning of of the cracks starting to show with Paul George missing a game. That was, that was a late scratch, noble. right? It was a very late scratch. So yeah. does that mean? What does that what does that mean, right? If it's a late scratch, that tells you that he was close, close, and maybe could have went. So right, but you maybe at the end of the day, back. wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. But also, I mean, with those amount of back to backs, do you want him playing in those back to backs? And we're talking about Paul George, who mm. is the healthier one of that Kawhi yes. Paul George relationship. Yes. And Kawhi has been incredibly health uh, healthy. Probably been under talked about how much Kawhi has has played this season, but. Yeah, I just I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to be playing 75 games this year. I just have a tough time seeing it. Uh, James Harden down the stretch is going to need some rest. Maybe Russell Westbrook is is the kind of guy who can elevate his game for a couple weeks and and keep that team afloat. But the Clippers, you know, I think the Clippers at this point they've played their best basketball earlier in this year. I talked about it yesterday. They might, you know, part of part of playoffs, any sport, baseball, they talk about it all the time, football a little bit, but not as much, but still a bit, peaking at the right time, right? Like, you want to be peaking kind of like the Kings are right now. They're trending towards playing their best basketball at the end of the year. The Clippers played great basketball really the last two and a half months. Mm-hmm. With that team and how it's constructed and the guys that are out there, I kind of feel like they're going to, like, barely you know they're just gonna survive the rest of this season get into the playoffs and then just hope they're healthy I think there's a good chance that uh the Clippers do kind of drop some games here I know they have a bit of an easier schedule down the stretch like later in the year but uh right here they can really mess around and end up you don't want to fall into that five six seven eight path here uh it's brutal the Kings and, and Mavericks are only separated by a half game and that's four teams fighting for for two spots. If you had a third, another team in there, 
it's going to be brutal. No, that's a great point. There's so many teams in the West and why it's so convoluted is because there are a lot of teams that feel like they have that star power yep. and that feel like all we have to do is get in and we will give ourselves a good chance to get it done. There's just too many of those teams. Not all of you yep. are going to be able to get it done. When we get back discussing Keegan Murray and the evolution of his defense and how it has affected him offensively, and we rank the duos in the Western Conference. Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports. Keegan Murray. I think we'll hear a good bit of that tonight as Keegan won't have to deal with chasing around Jimmy Butler, okay, or Terry Rozier. You just have Caleb Martin, Jaime Jaquez, and whoever else the Heat can come up with as those guys, Jimmy Butler, Terry Rozier, Thomas Bryant, Nikolai Jovic, all out, all out as they take on the Kings with who they have available. Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero as well, out. It did look like, or it hasn't been reported yet, Chris. Does that mean that Josh Richardson is probably playing? And he is a known Kings killer. I believe that he, last time I saw he was questionable, I believe. I don't know. When everybody put out Hero and Rozier... They did not say anything about Josh Richardson. According to Sacktown Sports, yeah, yep. is out. He's out too. Out with right. the shoulder. Okay. Yep. So he's out too. Yep. yep. So they're all out, and Keegan Murray hopefully can get going offensively. I know, Chris, we were checking out an, an article written by our guy, Hunter Patterson, who got to sit down with Keegan Murray and and chat about some things. What were your takeaways Yes, uh, I was just reading it. I highly, highly recommend uh, the article for anybody who uh, just loves Kings basketball and especially loves Keegan. Uh, Our guy Hunter did sit down with Keegan and actually got uh, to speak with him uh, specifically on on just how his evolution has gone. Some of the things that stuck out, some of the highlights for me was definitely Hunter talked, uh, he starts off the article talking about um, really how Keegan gained a lot of his confidence and, and where a lot of this came from. He credited guarding De'Aaron in this offseason, which we've talked about before. And, um, you know, just how seeing going against De'Aaron Fox every single day in one-on-ones, yeah. what that would do for, you know, really essentially saying, I've gone against this guy. I'm not afraid of no disrespect. I'm not afraid of what Darius Garland's going to do to me right, because I already right. know he's not as fast as De'Aaron. He's frankly just not as good as De'Aaron. Um, and so kind of how that helped. And then guarding Steph Curry early in the season in that game, I think it might have been the, uh, the the Clay Thompson game winner, but really just Keegan guarding Steph, getting a couple steals on him, really just gave him the confidence to, again, it's reassuring just to say, I know I put in a ton of work this offseason, season. This is the fruition of that work. These are the fruits of the labor. And uh, really, again, if you feel like you can guard the fastest guy in the NBA and then the best shooter in the NBA, you kind of can cover just about everybody in every situation. So really just talking about how uh, Keegan has used that to gain confidence. Uh, He's on pace right now to average more points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and have a higher field goal percentage than he had last year. He's got the second-best defensive rating on the team. And uh, I was just getting into uh, where Hunter 
starts to write about how there are tangible numbers to see Keegan's impact in two matchups this year against Luca. Luca has a combined 14 points when guarding uh, when guarded by Keegan Murray, four of 15 from the field, one of six from three, and then uh, my guy Donovan Mitchell as well when guarded by Keegan, combined 17 points, six of 15 in their two matchups this year. So it's real. It's it's a very very real thing. And uh, not a lot of, you know, outside national media talking about it. But there are legitimate numbers, and it backs it up with the eye test to show Keegan Murray's taking a legitimate leap on the defensive end. And when you pair that with the fact in his first year, he was quite literally the most prolific three-point shooter of a rookie in NBA history, that tells me that in year three, you're probably going to get some crazy combination of both. And, you know, what we're seeing right now is great, but – it's all about development and, and what's happening next with Keegan. And I think the the bigger point that I'm taking away from this article is what's coming next from Keegan is going to be really scary for the NBA. If he can really be a, a two-way player on the level that they're hoping he can be, that's how this team takes a serious leap without anybody expecting them to. The Keegan clamps are real. The Keegan clamps have been real throughout this season, obviously, Hasn't looked the same offensively, but that's exactly what Chris is alluding to. And if you've been listening to this show, you know how we talk about it being the cocoon season, the cocoon year for Keegan Murray. And what I've seen lately that I've noticed is looks like he's making it a point to take mid-range jump shots. Earlier in the season, I didn't see a lot of those. It was, I'm going to take a three if it's open. I'm going to get to the cup. It feels like, I don't know if somebody said something to him, but hey, Maybe he he works on them and he's knocking them down. And people said, hey, you haven't really been utilizing this in the game. You you can get these whenever whenever they're available to you. I think that mid-range jump shots are one of the more confusing, confusing shots and how they're viewed or how it's viewed in basketball because a lot of people say, ah, it doesn't really make any sense. You might as well shoot a three yep. and things like that. But sometimes it can get you going. Yeah. And if you can't always get to the cup, we've seen – Keegan Yam on multiple multiple people this year and, and get to the cup. But if you're not able to do that, now you're talking about a score at every level. Yep. And everybody wants somebody like that. There are a lot of guys that are 3 and D. There are a lot of guys that can shoot the three ball. And if you can't get to the cup, you really don't have anything else. Now you're talking about the Kings going into next season, assuming they bring back Malik Monk, who also can have a mid-range jump shot. Yeah. And he's got that floater working. Now you have... Three three-level scores, because I'm not counting Sabonis, because I wouldn't necessarily no, call him a three-level score, but you have three three-level scores on top of having Sabonis yeah. as your big. Now that's scary stuff, and you're getting improved defense from De'Aaron Fox and the aforementioned Keegan Murray. Next, We're not, we're not putting the car before the horse, and, and we want to see what happens this season, but what the Kings are building. And that's why I said Tim Legler, all these guys who you're hoping that you don't really have to know that much about the Kings because they're going to disappear, they're not going to. No. So you better do your homework now. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not quite there on Keegan being a three-level scorer. I think – I frankly think around the rim he's got all – He's got miles to go still yeah. in, in that element. He can he can dunk, but if he's not dunking the ball, his layup package is is not it. You know, I think I think I have a great soundbite from earlier in the league where or earlier in the year where uh, I think it was the ESPN Philly game, and uh, they quote De'Aaron as saying, "Keegan, last season you were the worst finisher in the league." 
Uh, and that might be a bit of a hyperbole, but yeah. it's not far off. He really he if you see him in fast break, he's like a deer yeah. in the headlights. I'm getting caught up in the dunks. Yeah. I'm getting caught up in the dunks. Yeah, no, yes. but it's part of it. I mean, yeah. you know, he, it's it's a good step. You know, you have to have that threat. And Monty, when when Keegan was drafted, had a kind of infamous quote now where he said. You know, in college, he dunked everything, every single, you know, his dunk percentage, I think he brought up, which is a number I've never heard before. But, you know, said in in terms of his attacks, 90 percent of his, uh, you know, drives finished in dunks and, you know, just crazy things like that. He's still got to work on that. And the mid range is coming. The mid range, I think, is is going to be the next part. He's kind of working his way in, uh, which mm-hmm. is not typically how it's done, but. I, I think that there's real hope for him in that department, and you're completely right, though. I mean, everything you said is still true. If the Kings can go into next season with three guys who are a threat to be scorers at that at each level, mm-hmm. that's dangerous, and that's just not something that really any team in the NBA has. It's it's the point of getting the three superstars is that you have three guys who are capable of doing that. Not many teams can find that out of a couple role players, which I would still kind of put Malik and, and Keegan in right now. Yeah, I I think that everything Keegan is doing is is Positive, he's not just yeah. – yes, he's not just playing right now. He's playing for future yep. Keegan Murray yeah. as well. Light years and ahead. Light, yeah, we're, we're trying to get there. <laughs> yeah. And Keegan is a huge part of it. When other teams are starting to game plan now, though, it does feel like Harrison Barnes, dare I say, and Kevin Herter might come up on their list before Keegan, which sounds so. nuts. Right where we want him, though. But, yes, and and look, this, t- tonight could be a great night for Keegan shooting the basketball just because he doesn't have to deal with yeah. Jimmy or, or Tyler Hero defensively. But the idea of trusting Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes – in a series, if this is the Keegan that he's going right. to be, I'll be honest, it doesn't make me extremely Wasn't excited. Good last year. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't feel extremely confident from that. Yeah, and that seems to be what it's going to be. We could be wrong, and yeah. maybe Keegan shows back up. But right, uh, that's that's maybe the hope because you're right. Last year in the playoffs, that's what the Kings did. They relied on HB and Kevin to to kind of play uh, up to a certain standard and. They did not at all, and you could argue that was really the thing that did the Kings in because Keegan was a rookie. You can't expect Keegan to walk into his first playoff series in his first season and and have an impact. He later did. He probably later had the third or fourth best postseason of any of the Kings on the roster, but – um, you know, yeah, it, it's a scary situation. I guess you can maybe say it's it's a chance at redemption, but I think the Kings' plan at the beginning of the year was to have Keegan up to a level where they could rely on him to that level. But I think we've just seen this year up to this point, the Kings have just been a better team when they rely on Kevin Herter and HB to, uh, to be their third and fourth option or fifth and sixth option. Uh, and, you know, it, it hasn't been super reliable all year, but I think the Kings today are a better team when Kevin and, and uh, HB are more involved than Keegan. But definitely in terms of long-term success, Keegan being that reliable third or fourth option is is how this Kings team gets where they want to go. Tim Legler says that Sabonis isn't dynamic enough as a second option comparing that duo to the others. Is he right? We'll discuss and we'll rank the duos in the Let's Western Conference when we get back. Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports. Ranking the Western Conference duos. Earlier in the season, maybe before the season even started, we definitely did a list where 
people have ranked all the duos, but specifically the Western Conference duos and where the Kings stack up with De'Aaron and Sabonis. You have the T-Wolves, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Warriors. So out of the top 10, I think is probably the easiest way. Feel safest. To do this, so you let's start at the top. You have the T Wolves, and you have. It basically we'll do it King of the Mountain, and that is how we'll figure out where De'Aaron and Sabonis okay. end. So right now, De'Aaron and Sabonis are number one, right? Okay. So now you have Anthony Edwards, and I guess Gobert. Gobert over Cat. I think so, just because their defense is number one in the NBA, and a large part of that is because of Gobert. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know what you would specifically specifically attribute Towns to. Okay, are you bumping Fox and Sabonis to number two for that duo? It's about a push, but maybe you give. Like, I, I, maybe you give them the advantage. Are we just saying, are we just going blanket? We're just saying. Just blanket. Okay. No no, no tie-ins or anything else. Um, mm, I think I'd, taking away the King's glasses, I would probably take Ant and Gobert over Fox and Sabonis. What? I think so. I think you have to because Ant is so young, potential face of the NBA, and like could be, could be a top five player mm-hmm. in the NBA in the next year um and then gobert is the best defender in the nba and kind of like we said earlier for as good as sabonis is offensively i would argue gobert is that good defensively and you know uh, the 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 same is true for the shortcomings okay so you got him at two i still got sabonis that's fair i think i think that's like a really really close one though that's like incredibly i feel i feel like gobert though is similar to sabonis because he gets exposed in the playoffs yeah he does he definitely does so, all right, you got them it's two more, now. I think I'm more just taking Ant, Ant over Fox in that situation, but just barely. All just right. barely. Next one, actually pretty interesting, the Thunder. It's really interesting. I guess, I mean, it's Shea definitely Shay. Some of the Jalen Williams I would in personally there. put Jalen Williams right here, right now, but I think Chet very easily, like, by the start of next season. For, we'll just put Chet. I think we'll put Chet in here just because that's a little bit easier. And... There, I'm going to take the Kings duo more so because I think the gap from Sabonis and Chet today, mm-hmm. right now today, is bigger than the gap from Shea and De'Aaron, which I think is is there, but I think it's really, really marginal. Okay, so right now I still have the – I have Kings, I have Sabonis and, Sabonis and Fox one, and then I would have Ant – Gobert two, okay, and then Shea and Jalen three. Yeah, I think it's all really all of them are really really close because you could even argue. I mean, Legler's argument was about versatility. You could argue Chet is more versatile than Sabonis, and Mm -hmm. you know you can go on and on and, and nitpick. But I think I think overall you're good there. Number three. The Nuggets, you have Jamal Murray and Jokic, and now I'll probably there. Okay, now I have them number two. The Fox and Sabonis number two. I've got Fox and Sabonis three. Okay, yeah. Clippers, 
Kawhi and Paul George. I'm probably. Are we saying when healthy here? I think yes. this is the only time where we have to give yes. the caveat we, of 100% health. So then I'm I'm bumping Sabonis and Fox down to three. They're definitely moving moving down for sure. So okay. I have them as four. Next they have the next are the are the Kings. So I have them three right now. Suns, you have KD and Booker as a duo. I'm t- I'm I'm starting with I'm starting my franchise with that. Yeah. I am. You I don't have you don't have a choice. Yep. So now I have Fox and Sabonis as four. I have them as five. And I'm pretty sure that's where they're gonna stay unless you feel any differently <clears throat> about you have the Pel I mean the Pelican Zion and Brandon. I'm not I'm not moving them. Don't you dare. Don't if we you, can don't if we're you saying, do it. If we're saying healthy about the Clippers, again, I don't know if we're doing start a franchise. Chris. I don't I, I, Chris. I like the versatility. I, this is also, I really like building my teams with forwards. Like, I, I think that that's, that's a, a surefire Not way of Pelicans. being the Pelicans. They are sworn enemies. Look at it. Pelican play. It's, hey, man. On, Pelican. Pelicans 4-0 four, four against the Kings this year. Like, results speak for themselves. I, I'm Again, it's really, really close. I think it more so speaks to the depth in this conference. But if you're just telling me the two of Zion and B.I. versus Fox and Sabonis – I think it's close. I'll, since we're on Sacramento Airways, I'll, I'll give Fox and Sabonis the the, no, no, the, no. the clearing, but I think that that's a very, very close one-two matchup. And, uh, so you have them you know, fifth now. Uh, I think yeah. I have them sixth now. Oh, I'm sorry. If I give them the clearance over, yes, then I have them fifth. If I give them over BI in, in, in Zion. But, you know, that's – okay. That's, that's really believing in Well, then at this guys. point, what are they going to be? Because I know you're taking Luka and Kyrie. I sure would think about it. Kyrie's probably, you know, anchoring them a bit there, but it, it's close. I, I don't love those two specifically working off of each other, but uh, it, it, that's a really talented combo. I'll, I'll take Fox and Sabonis over them, but that's okay. a really so talented combo. you have them combo. still locked in at five. Yeah. And I still And I still have them locked in at four. Lakers, now this is where it gets funny because <clears> – <throat> It's LeBron and AD, but yep. that's really it right now. Yeah. We're just doing duos, though. If we're just doing duos. They're better. They are. I mean, I don't know if LeBron versus Fox one for one when LeBron's 39 years old now. That's what I'm saying. What is though. that? But Anthony Davis is everything. Anthony Davis can do everything. Again, I've seen if, Sabonis if Legler's- impress me more than Anthony Davis. I think, Multiple times. I think if it depends, I, I don't know. I mean, Legler's argument was versatility, and right. you do not get more versatile at the big man spot than Anthony Davis. You can play him. He can take mid-range jumpers. I don't love him taking threes, but he can take threes. He's still one of the best defenders at that position in the NBA. Uh, if we're just taking duos, it's tough to not take the greatest player of this generation and maybe the most versatile big uh, that we've seen. So, not at 39, though. Not at thirty nine, but even then, he's he's not too shabby. That guy, he's he's not he's not very bad. He's still putting up near triple double. You know, it's still doing his LeBron twenty six, seven and seven or whatever. And uh, you know, he's he's still leading his team at thirty nine. So it, you know, it's it's close. It's close. And last but not least, the Warriors. What what is this now? now this Steph is, and yeah, Steph and Stephen Draymond. Yeah, it's Kaminga. Stephen Kaminga. It's, it's actually it's, it's Stephen this Kaminga. season. It has been Stephen Kaminga. Yeah, and uh, there's no way. And there's no way. That's, that's I would turn your mic that's off. Bottom you, of the barrel. Yeah, yeah I would turn your mic. They off. are. It's great to say. I would love to say it even again. The Warriors have the worst duo uh, of the top ten in, they in the do, Western. They do. They definitely right do. In the and Western it's conference. actually 
It's not the even only close, reason it's really. kind of close is because of Steph. Right, I guess right because you could say probably Dallas would be the next lowest, mm-hmm. and even then it's like you know Luca's Luca's doing a lot of heavy lifting You're there. High too, on those Pelicans, man. I, Zion Williamson is still Zion. I can't quit Zion. Also, like I just can't. I refuse to believe. I, I know he's just like he's he's thirty pounds away from taking over the NBA. That's just how it is. And whenever that happens, like I, I and even then, even right here today, the dude is crazy talented, putting up ridiculous numbers. And Brandon Ingram is is one hell of a shot maker. I don't know how much of uh, how much of those two playing off of each other is good for one another, but I think Brandon Ingram as an individual talent is more than capable of being an all-star. I got, I'm not, I'm not putting De'Aaron and Sabonis under top five. I got them at four and I'm not budging. I just, when I have them at five. Yeah. Just based on gameplay versus theory. I feel like you're doing a lot of in theory. Pelicans in theory, Mavericks in theory, but I think even the Kings is in theory. Like, what if the what, no, what the has Kings the pairing? But what in what in practice has the combination of Sabonis and Fox like a, accomplished that has them higher than guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron? Guys like you know Steph or uh, well, KD and But if you want some of the legacy, then I'll give you legacy. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you the legacies. Basically, my problem is the Pelicans. <laughs> but here today, like I mean, you know, I you know, De'Aaron has been up and down. Yeah, and Sabonis is is great. Sabonis is fantastic. I'm not even going to speak bad about him. But you know, there's there's a couple other centers out there. And again, if we're talking about versatility, I just think some of those guys, you know, provide a little bit more positionless basketball than than what Sabonis does. Like I just I personally think that if you have AD in there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about rim like every worry that you have about Sabonis being out there as a center by himself. You just don't have with guys like AD. You don't have it as much with a guy like Jokic because of what he can provide offensively. You definitely don't have it with Gobert. So I I don't know. I just kind of feel like there's other guys that provide great things as well. And then their partners. It's no shot at deer. It's I'm telling you, this is more just a sign at how ridiculous the Western Conference is. No, I no, I hear you on that. And originally, we I know we got to get to a break, but originally when we spoke about this comparison in this yeah. list, it was, okay, let's assume health. If we were to do this exercise again and not assume health, are you still sure. taking – that's what I'm saying, in practice and not in theory, Clippers, then I don't know what to do with the Clippers. Yeah. I don't you know. You just don't know what to do with them. Though. I don't know what to do with the Clippers or the Suns, really. Yeah, or the Pelicans. Absolutely. Been, you, you've been able to depend on the Kings duo more than some of the duos that you might have sure. ahead of them. Yeah. And that's why that's why it, it's tough. When I we, was just going talent for talent. No, I hear you. But I, not today. That's know, true. Not that, today. Today was the, not the day. But that's the rule that, that that's the rule that we set. When we get back. We will discuss the Kings and what they have to do to come out victorious against the Heat. We also have Fair Foul coming up. And don't forget, we are giving away tickets to see the Jacksons and Sister Sledge in about four minutes. Thousand Watkins, Sacktown Sports.